Greetings and welcome to another episode of From John to Justin. Right now, we're looking at every opposition leader who never became Prime Minister. Previously, we looked at every election in Canadian history and every Prime Minister in Canadian history. Now, you probably noticed that this episode is coming out on a Monday and not a Friday. And that's because I got food poisoning last week. And let me tell you that vomiting your guts out is not good for your throat nor your vocal cords. So I had to delay recording anything. And I also want to say thank you to everybody who enjoys this show. Uh, the past week, I kind of hit a bit of melancholy and felt that, uh, you know, my podcast journey had started to plateau. And then I got some very nice emails and uh, some people were very kind. And I want to say thank you because I really enjoy making this podcast. I enjoy putting it together and it's quickly becoming my favorite podcast that I make. And um, on that note, Coast to Coast, which comes out every Thursday, is actually going to be ending now because, of course, we're reaching the end of the building of the Transcontinental Railway. It'll actually end on Thursday with the tale of the last spike. And as for Canada's Great War, I'm putting that one on a hiatus. I'm going to take some time away from it. I'm going to concentrate on making bigger and better episodes of From John to Justin, as well as my other podcast, Canadian History X, which releases every Wednesday and Saturday. I'm also going to be focusing more and more on my YouTube channel. You can find it at youtube.com slash C slash Canadian History X, and that's E-H-X. I'm going to be putting a lot more on-location visits to historical sites there and talking about various things, so be sure to subscribe. And I want to say thank you to Benoit, and I hope I pronounced your last name correctly, Gawagati, who gave me a wonderful donation that really honestly made my week. As I said, it was kind of a rough week with podcasting and that feeling of melancholy and plateau, and this honestly, it really made my, my entire week. And, and thank you so much, Benoit. But that's not the only one. And I want to say a very special thank you to Haywood, and I hope I pronounced your last name correctly, Claxton. He sent me a wonderful email that really brightened my day on Friday. Again, as I mentioned, kind of a rough week with podcasting. And it was really nice to get your email. And it, it made my day. So thank you, Haywood. And I hope you enjoy the coming episodes. And absolutely, we will be looking at the premieres of every province in Canadian history. And on that note, again, I also want to ask if, would you guys prefer I looked at the Governor's General Next, after we're done the opposition leaders, we're actually going to be on the opposition leaders until January, so there's some time. But do you want me to look at the governors general from uh, the Canadian ones, essentially? Or do you want me to start looking at the premiers? And which province should I start with? Should I start with British Columbia? Or should I start with Newfoundland? Or should I start with the first four of Ontario, Quebec, Nova Scotia, and New Brunswick? So let me know. If you want, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. He's referred to as the best Prime Minister Canada never had, and from 1967 to 1976, he served as the leader of the Progressive Conservative Party and the leader of the official opposition. In that time, he took part in three elections, more than any other leader of the opposition who never became Prime Minister, against a very dynamic Pierre Trudeau. His name was Robert Stanfield. His life story is much more than those elections, and his career in politics dated back to the 1940s, where he would have a hand in shaping the future of his home province of Nova Scotia. 
Born in Truro, Nova Scotia on April 11, 1914, he was the son of Sarah and Frank Stanfield. His father Frank was at the time of Robert's birth the MLA for Colchester County, a position he would hold from 1911 to 1920 and again from 1925 to 1930. For one year from 1930 to 1931, he was also the Lieutenant Governor of Nova Scotia. He also owned Stanfield Limited, which had created unshrinkable underwear that was used by prospectors in the Klondike, and it would grow to become one of the largest producers of wool goods in Canada. From an early age, Robert Stanfield was involved in politics thanks to his father, and that would shape his later life. In fact, one story from his childhood came when he was 16 when he got into an argument with his sister Kit about global affairs. As the debate grew more impassioned, Stanfield took off his shoes and began banging them on a table to emphasize his points. He was so mild-mannered, the family would always refer to this time as when Robert spoke up. When he was 17, his father would die, and at the age of 25, Stanfield inherited $350,000, equivalent to about $6.5 million today. Rather than blow through the money, though, Stanfield invested it, and it would fund his political endeavors for years to come. Stanfield would attend Dalhousie University where he studied economics and political science, and he would receive the Governor General's Silver Medal for having the highest academic standing when he graduated in 1936. From there, he went to Harvard where he studied law and became the first ever Canadian editor of the Harvard Law Review. During the Second World War, Stanfield worked for the Victory Bond Program in Nova Scotia, and around this time in 1940, he would marry Joyce Frazee, whom he remained married to until 1954 when she was tragically killed in a car crash. After the war, Stanfield turned his attention to politics. Aligning himself with the Progressive Conservative Party of Nova Scotia, he found the party not doing well. At the time, the Liberal Party had dominated provincial politics. Since Confederation in 1867, the Liberals had won all but three elections in the province. The Progressive Conservative Party, when Stanfield joined, had no seats in the legislature for the first time in its history. It was in this situation that Stanfield was elected as party leader in 1948 at the age of 34. Why did Stanfield take over the leadership of a party at its lowest point? Well, he would state, quote, I took over the leadership in 1948 because it was a choice between that and writing off the investment in time and energy we'd spent rebuilding the party. I didn't think of myself then as a leader. I don't think anybody else did either. End quote. He would begin to rebuild the party from that point, helping the party gain eight seats in the 1949 election and then 13 in the 1953 election. On October 30, 1956, after years of rebuilding the party, he would become the Premier of Nova Scotia after the Progressive Conservatives won a majority 24 seats in the election. One year after he became Premier, he married Mary Hall, whom he would remain married to until she passed away from cancer in 1977. Governing as a moderate and a red Tory, Stanfield would bring in sweeping changes as Premier, a role he would hold until 1967. In the process, he would become the first Conservative Premier to win four straight majority elections. As Premier, he would bring in several reforms in human rights, education and health care in the province as well. Industrial development is a sore point in Nova Scotia. Fishing is mainly a seasonal business with fishermen drawing unemployment insurance when their boats are hauled up. So far, they've had a good year. Secondary industry finds it difficult because of the long rail haul to market in central Canada. Coal is expensive to mine, 
and faces fierce competition from oil and natural gas and cheaper coal from the United States. Agriculture is limited. Farming is often marginal. The government has been feverishly trying to encourage new industry, and its main prize so far is a $40 million pulp mill for the Strait of Canso area. But even here, there has been criticism. In Halifax, I talked about these matters with the Premier, Robert L. Stanfield. Mr. Stanfield, your industrial development program has been criticized on the grounds that it's too expensive and has achieved little. What is your feeling about this? Well, in the first place, it's produced a $40 million pulp mill in the state of Canso. And uh, with regard to the operations of industrial estates, uh, I think those operations have been exceedingly uh, successful uh, in an organization that's hardly two years old. And uh, the promise of future success, I think, is even, even greater. Uh, we recognize, of course, that we have to be prepared to uh, spend some money in connection with industrial development and uh, promotion. And uh, actually, any sums expended in connection with industrial estates have been quite modest in comparison with the importance of the work that's being done. The liberals have been making an issue out of municipal taxes and the promise of a 10% tax rebate. What is your reaction? Well, uh, my reaction, like the reaction I think of most people in Nova Scotia, is that the rebate talk is just a stunt that has no relation at all to the real municipal problem. The, uh, there is a problem in uh, municipal finance arising uh, mainly from uh, the responsibilities in the field of education. Uh, we're carrying uh, a bigger proportion of the cost of education as was the case when we took over. And uh, we can claim that we've rendered a great deal more municipal assistance uh, not only than the Liberals actually did, but uh, some uh, three to four times more actually than Mr. Hicks actually promised to do if he was re-elected. In saying this, we still recognize that the municipalities have a problem, and uh, we're going to try to continue to uh, assist them just in the manner as we have in the past. His party would modernize the road system of Nova Scotia, bring in its first form of Medicare, create an economic development agency, and establish the Voluntary Economic Planning Board. His party also invested heavily in education, creating vocational schools and providing the first consistent funding to the province's universities. The conservative majority, in fact, has been slightly reduced. In the last house, the spread between the government and the liberal opposition was 35 seats. In the next house, it will be 34. In effect, it was a resounding endorsement of the conservative plea for another mandate to continue their program of industrial expansion and progress. The Premier obviously felt that this was the case. I'm particularly pleased because our, our election campaign was uh, based on a, on a uh, program of provincial development rather than any uh, attempt to uh, uh, persuade the voters to like us because of, of uh, goodies that we might be offering. It's been our view that, uh, that it's... Uh, very important in Nova Scotia that we keep our minds on the on the uh, importance of uh, moving ahead, concentrating on working hard and trying to develop our province and uh, making sure that we get into the mainstream of Canadian development. And uh, I'm delighted, quite frankly, that the people of the province supported us in, in this regard. Premier Stanfield then went on to say he'd like to take the time to get his garden in. By 1967, 
Stanfield was being touted as a potential successor to John Diefenbaker, the federal leader of the Progressive Conservatives, who had served as Prime Minister from 1957 to 1963. By the time Canada's centennial year rolled around, the party was heavily divided, and a strong faction was against Diefenbaker after two election losses. It was into this atmosphere that Stanfield entered the race to become the new leader of the federal Progressive Conservatives. At first, Stanfield was hesitant to enter into federal politics. His party had just won a majority government again, and he seemed to be happy in his role as Premier. He was also well-loved in Nova Scotia. One Truro truck driver would tell McLean's in 1968, quote, He's like God to folks down here, end quote. One newspaper writer in the town at the same time described him as having the slow-speaking dignity of Gary Cooper. His biographer, Jeffrey Stevens, would stay of Stanfield's time as Premier, quote, He convinced them they did not have to remain a backwater, retarded and depressed. He convinced them that they had a future worth fighting for, end quote. There were supporters for him who saw him as an Abraham Lincoln type, and those who felt that he was not Winston Churchill enough in that he did not give lightning policy decisions or rousing public speeches. John Stewart, a Nova Scotia MP, would say, quote, You couldn't call Stanfield a charismatic figure. His political success has been achieved in other ways. End quote. Stanfield would finally agree to run for leadership after being pressured by several members of the federal party, including party president Dalton Camp. Upon entering the race, the Toronto Star stated he set himself apart with his, quote, honesty, forthrightedness, and quiet demeanor, end quote. On the first ballot, Stanfield picked up 519 votes and 23.3% of the vote. And as the leadership election went on, Stanfield increased his share of the support in every round, and by the fourth round, the number of candidates had reduced from 11 to just 4. Stanfield again led the field with 865 votes and 40.1% of the vote on that ballot. Finally, on the fifth ballot, Stanfield won the leadership of the party with 54.3% of the vote over his challenger, Dufferin Roblin. The convention came as a result of Dalton Camp-led infighting that ended with a call for a party leadership review. At Maple Leaf Gardens, the race had narrowed to Premier Robert Stanfield of Nova Scotia against Manitoba's Duff Roblin. Stanfield, high up in the seats, tried to appear cool and settled back for lunch as he waited for the count. Davy Fulton of British Columbia was already out. There was speculation about where his support would go. It would hurt if it went to Roblin. Stanfield left no doubt about where he expected it would go. I'll ex- I expect Mr. Fulton's support in the end would come to me. Has he indicated that to you? No, I don't say he's indicated that to me, but I'll be very surprised if that doesn't happen. The Fulton people did just what Stanfield predicted. Shortly after that film was shot, Robert Stanfield became the leader of the Progressive Conservative Party of Canada. Now, that convention here at the Gardens in 1967 will be remembered for a couple of things. First of all, it was the one where they dumped Deef. And secondly, there was a message there. If you're ever packing a box lunch for Bob Stanfield, don't forget the bananas. Bill Cups, CBC News. As soon as he was elected as leader, the Progressive Conservatives rose in the polls, and many believed that in the coming election he would beat the aging Lester B. Pearson, who had served as Prime Minister since 1963. What they did not count on was that not only would Pearson retire at the end of 1967, but a new man would take over the party in February of 1968, Pierre Elliott Trudeau. 
The kind nature of Stanfield was seen in the fact that he did not jump at the chance to go after the Liberals when the opportunity presented itself. In early 1968, the Liberals were defeated in a no-confidence vote which would have triggered an election. The Governor of the Bank of Canada then spoke with Stanfield stating that an election would cripple Canada's international reputation and hurt the dollar. In response, Stanfield agreed to another vote, which the Liberals won, saving the government from falling for a few months. And with that, instead of going up against Lester B. Pearson, he was going up against Trudeau. If Stanfield had gone up against a different Liberal leader, it's likely his party would win, but Trudeau was unlike any Prime Minister Canada had ever had. He was a charismatic public speaker who performed well on television and was extremely popular in Quebec. And while Trudeau mania swept the country, Stanfield's poor grasp of French and his speaking style contrasted poorly with Trudeau and his dynamic persona. As Stanfield approached the 1968 election, his first as federal leader, he had his work cut out for him. The 1968 election would see the Progressive Conservatives lose 22 seats to fall to 72. They would retain their official opposition status, and Trudeau and the Liberals gained 27 seats to finish with 155, giving the party its first majority government since 1953. Stanfield would state jokingly that if he walked on water, the news headlines the next day would simply say Bob Stanfield can't swim. Despite the loss, Stanfield was able to carry on as leader, but he still faced several problems in the party, including his support of the Official Languages Act and official bilingualism, which angered the supporters of Diefenbaker. And while many criticized him at the time and the party in later years, his stance would gain him respect from his former critics. The present program of social assistance in Canada has grown up piecemeal over some 20 years. It was put together by four different federal governments with many different goals. Today, it's a patchwork quilt, which while it's done a good deal, done much to alleviate suffering, nevertheless too often fails to cover those most in need. It just doesn't make sense to have a social assistance program which doesn't adequately serve those who need help. It's like sending a man into a storm with half a raincoat. And when you're old or blind or disabled, half a raincoat is not enough and partial coverage is not enough. We would therefore establish as an essential part of that program a guaranteed annual income for all those Canadians who cannot earn for themselves and who live today below the poverty line. This would be our firm objective. So I emphasize that it could not be, could not be accomplished fully immediately. Stanfield was known for working hard as leader. He would arrive at his office in the center block at 9 a.m. and not head home until 6.30 p.m., where he would have dinner and then come back to work. By the time 1972 came along, Stanfield and the Progressive Conservatives were in a much better position as the public felt the Liberals were not managing the economy well. At the same time, Trudeau mania had faded and the Liberals would put forward a lackluster campaign in the election of that year. In the October 30th, 1972 election, Stanfield played off his honest but bumbling image and projected himself as a grandfatherly type much in the same vein as Louis St. Laurent did in the 1950s as Uncle Louis. The 1972 election would prove to be one of the closest in Canadian history, if not the closest, with Liberals winning 109 seats to the 107 won by the Progressive Conservatives. 
Trudeau was able to maintain power for the next two years through an alliance he formed with the new Democratic Party. This election would prove to be the high point for Stanfield in his leadership of the party, and by the time 1974 came along, the Liberals were better prepared and Progressive Conservatives had gone through several blunders. As the 1974 campaign began, Stanfield ran on a policy of wage and price controls to deal with rapid inflation of the time. And while Trudeau mocked the idea with the famous zap your frozen phrase, he would later implement the controls. The most famous image of that campaign, though, and one that would become the first example of image politics, was of Stanfield trying to catch a football. On May 30th, Doug Ball, a photographer, took several pictures of Stanfield catching a football. In the last set of photos, Stanfield fumbled the ball. While all the photos were sent to the wire, the one of Stanfield fumbling the ball was the one used on the front pages of several newspapers. Many believe that this was the moment Stanfield lost the campaign. During my research, when I was looking at newspapers from the day that Stanfield died, I have to say that every single story featured a picture of this football. It was an image that would always follow him. We were flying from the east and we landed in uh, North Bay to refuel on a Stanfield plane. And uh, a lot of us got out to exercise, just to stretch our legs, and uh, one of the uh, Stanfield's guys brought a football with him. And Stanfield was outside too, so I wanted to throw it around. I like sports, so I talked to Stanfield. I said, sir, would you be uh, throwing the ball around? He said, I'm not sure, I might. So uh, off we went throwing the ball. Then I looked over and I saw Stanfield take his jacket off. So I grabbed my uh, Nikon motor drive with the 200 millimeter lens and fired off a roll of 36 of him, throwing the ball, catching the ball, fumbling the ball, all that stuff. And the morning I woke up, and sure enough, I see the Globe and Mail with a big picture of just the fumble of Stanfield, and they had slugged it a political fumble question mark. So I got on the bus, and I sat there quietly, and Charles Lynch from Southern News got on and sat in front of me and turned around and said, uh, Doug, did you take that picture of Stanfield with the football? said yes he said Trudeau just won the election and <laughs> when he said it that meant something. In the 1974 election the progressive conservatives would lose 11 seats while Trudeau and the liberals gained another majority with 141 seats. After the election loss Stanfield would remain as leader of the party until 1976 when he resigned and was replaced by Joe Clark. Upon his resignation Stanfield would state quote I came with the ambition of substantially increasing the support of Quebecers for our party, and I must accept the evidence that I did not meet with any great success. End quote. Throughout his time as the leader of the official opposition, he was known for being a gentleman with his opponents and a civil person. One story tells of NDP MP Stanley Knowles entering a room where Stanfield was answering questions. He yelled, quote, Speak up, Bob, we can't hear you. End quote. Stanfield responded by making fun of his halting speech pattern, stating, quote, I'm in the middle of one of my pauses, end quote. And while John Diefenbaker often attacked Stanfield verbally, angry that he had been replaced by him, no one ever heard Stanfield utter a rude word about Diefenbaker in his entire life. Stanfield would say years later, quote, Some progressive conservatives would rather fight than win. Some of us wish to elevate a legitimate concern for individual self-reliance and individual enterprise into the central and dominating dogma and theme of our party. Why do we spoil a good cause by exaggeration? Why do we try to polarize a society that is already taught with tension and confrontation? 
End quote. For many in the Progressive Conservative Party, his gentleman nature was a problem as he did not attack the Liberals as much as they expected, and something Joe Clark would do when he came to power. Stanfield tended to differ from the other Conservative members of Parliament as well. An example of this was seen in 1976 when he stated, quote, Increasing the size of the GNP is important, but it is not in itself a sufficient goal for a civilized society. End quote. His wit was seen in 1979 when he stated, quote, I've come to realize from all the eulogies I've received after I retired that the country did not deserve to have me as Prime Minister. End quote. After resigning as leader, Stanfield married Anne Austin, who would remain his wife until the day he died. Following his time as leader, Stanfield mostly stayed out of politics except when he told John Diefenbaker to stop attacking Joe Clark in the press and then during the constitutional debates when he came forward for the Free Trade Agreement, the Charlottetown Accord, and the Meech Lake Accord. He would spend most of his time attending to his beloved Roses and having time for his wife, children, and grandchildren. Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau, showing the respect he had for his opponent, offered a Senate seat to Stanfield, which Stanfield declined. Stanfield would be offered the role of UN Ambassador by Prime Minister Brian Mulroney, but he would turn it down. Mulroney would state, quote, I tried to engage him further, but he was leading a vigorous life and a very active life, and he didn't want to change after a while, End quote. In 1996, Stanfield suffered a terrible stroke that left him severely disabled for the rest of his life. And on December 16, 2003, Eight days after the Progressive Conservatives merged with the Canadian Alliance to create the Conservative Party of Canada, Stanfield died in Ottawa. He was buried in Halifax next to his first wife, Joyce, and his second wife, Mary. Prime Minister Paul Martin would say upon Stanfield's death, quote, He was one of the most distinguished and committed Canadians of the past half-century, end quote. Joe Clark would state, quote, We will never know what a difference he would have made as Prime Minister, we do know that he set the example of duty and integrity that reflects Canada at its best. In 1967, Mr. Stanfield became leader of the Progressive Conservative Party that was fracturous and backward-looking, and in just five years he made it moderate and modern and competitive. End quote. Throughout his life, Stanfield was honoured extensively. From 1967 to 1990, he was awarded six honorary degrees, and he was named a Fellow of the Royal Canadian Geographical Society of Canada. Arguably the biggest honour came in 1992 when Stanfield became one of only nine people in history to that point to be granted the title of the Right Honourable, a title typically reserved for Canadians who hold a certain office such as Prime Minister. The honour was bestowed on him by the Queen on the advice of Brian Mulroney in honour of Canada's 125th anniversary celebrations. In 2007, the Halifax Robert L. Stanfield International Airport was named for him in a ceremony attended by Prime Minister Stephen Harper. Years after Stanfield had dropped the football that quite possibly cost him the election, he would meet with Doug Ball and sign the infamous photograph. He would write on the photograph, quote, To Doug Ball, I should have taken off my tie. End quote. I hope you enjoyed that episode and my look at a fascinating man named Robert Stanfield. Next week, looking at a man named Eric Nielsen, who had a brother who did okay for himself named Leslie Nielsen. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37.
As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. And you can donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. I'd also like to thank all of my wonderful patrons, and I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Colin Johnson, Katie Caldwell, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, an anonymous patron that I truly do appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Rawa, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Information from McLean's Dalhousie University, Policy Options, Wikipedia, The Guardian, Red Deer Advocate, Ottawa Citizen, and The National Post. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone. Like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.